The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke chapter 9, and the verses are 51 through 62, and they can be found in your pew Bible on page 1611. Luke records, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. And as they were walking along the road, the man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Excuses is the name of this sermon. Excuses that come at a cost. We've all heard excuses. I dare say all have made excuses. Perhaps maybe it was a long time for you. I am taken back to school and the note from mom for missing school. I came upon a report from somebody that was talking about this very thing, and it was a list of excuses. They are whoppers. Are you ready to hear some of these? Please excuse Josh for being absent. I forgot to wake him up. And I did not find him until I started making the beds. By that time, it was just much too late for him to go to school. Signed, Josh's mom. John didn't come to school yesterday because he was feeling like he was going to be sick. Thankfully, he wasn't. Third one, please excuse Janet's absence from school. 
It was take your daughter to work day. And since I didn't have a job, I made her stay at home and do housework. Another please excuse Ricky from school yesterday. He spilled gasoline on his stomach and he was afraid he might explode. Wow. And the last one is this. Please excuse Mary for missing school yesterday. We forgot to get the paper off the porch on Sunday and when we found it on Monday, we thought it was Sunday. Whoppers. Making excuses is not new. Not new. It's not a new thing. People even made excuses as we just heard from the gospel this morning. They were making excuses in Jesus' day. And we know that according to the historical account that Jesus was walking along the road with a group of people and he turned to one of the men and said, follow me. And the man answered, well, first let me go and bury my father. And that sounds like a reasonable request, right? Perhaps not even an excuse. But here's the thing. We don't even know if his father was dead. And maybe he was saying, let me go bury my father. And if he wasn't dead, in other words, let me wait until my dad dies before I go off with you. He may have wanted us to, or wanted to wait until his dad died. Jesus answered him, let the dead bury their own dead. That's pretty harsh, but if you take it in that context with that kind of a background story, Jesus knew whether or not his father was dead, and perhaps that explains why he said what he said. And he also told him that you need to go, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus then turned to another man we read in the crowd and said, follow me. And the man answered, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back home and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus did not like this excuse either. He said to him, no man who starts to plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I don't know if anyone's laid up rows here uh, before, but in order to, ray, to, to, to lay up a row with a tractor, and I would suspect with the oxen it's the same thing, you focus on a point at the end of the field and you steer right to it. You don't look to the right, you don't look to the left, and you certainly do not turn around and look backwards. It's a lot like driving a car, like teaching my children to ride dirt bikes in the desert. You look to where you want to go because where you look is where you'll go. In the desert, you've heard me say this, there's these things and they're all over the place. All over the desert they are there. They're called rocks. And motorcycles don't go over rocks real well. In fact, they tend to stop right there. And so you know that when you're riding it and you look at that rock and you focus on it and I don't want to hit that rock and bam, you hit the rock. Same principle here. That man was being told by God, Jesus, to look forward, to come with me. Don't look behind. He was calling those who would give up everything. He was calling for people to give up family and friends and their job and follow him. And what he got instead, we heard, is excuses. And you know, Jesus is still calling today. He's saying, follow me. And he's asking, will you follow or will you make excuses? Our Father, when Jesus calls us to follow him, may we never offer excuses. This is a worthy prayer. Instead, 
Father, may we be willing to give up everything and follow. And we do pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Christ is teaching the hearer that discipleship costs. It comes at a cost. And we should realize this. We know that we should count the cost before we embark on a journey. And we do, don't we? Don't we map it out and we, we count how much it'll cost along the way for our lodging, for our food? Don't we, don't we at least do that? Or at the very least, and this is biblical as well, who starts a building project without counting the cost? Why? Because you might find out in the middle of the project you can't afford it. So we are called to count the cost. And the truth is, Every choice that we make has a cost, doesn't it? Every choice we make comes at a cost. We read, or rather Miss Jackie read to us from 1 King, that Elisha becomes Elijah's attendant. And there was a great cost. Well, at least for Elijah in following God. And so, what was that cost? It wasn't in the reading this morning, but just prior to that, the queen, Jezebel, she swore that she would kill Elijah by the next morning. Why? Because Elijah had just had the prophets of Baal killed. She wasn't happy. And Ahab ran to her after this happening and told her all about it, what Elijah had done. And we come into the scene just prior to uh, the reading that, that Jackie uh, gave to us. Elijah had begged the Lord to take his life. He was sitting under a juniper tree, and uh, he just said, let me die. It's hopeless. It was a cost, and it was coming to him quickly and seriously, because Jezebel, and she was a gal that got things done. She wanted him dead. There's no hope. But God was good, and God provided for him. And then we see Elijah going to Elisha, and Elisha is plowing a field. Talk about plowing today. And he had business to attend to, plowing the field, leading those oxen. But unlike the men that Jesus encountered in the gospel scripture today, he did not, well, yeah, he did. He made an excuse. Did you hear that? Did you hear what she said? He said to Elijah, he said, let me go and, and kiss my mother and my father. And he was rebuked. And so what did he do? He went back to those oxen and he slaughtered them and he fed them to the people. There's a case of burning the ships, kind of like Cortez. Any of those that sailed the seas and they got there and they said, burn the ships because we're not going back. That's what he did. He burnt up his ship. He slaughtered those oxen. He fed those people and he went resolutely he didn't say, gee, I'll follow you for a little while, but if this doesn't work out, I'm going back to farming. He didn't do that. He followed him resolutely. There was a cost, and he paid it, and he was faithful. 
We hear also in Scripture, Jesus and his disciples, one said, come and see, for I've seen the Messiah, right? And we hear that come and follow me has been met with Peter leaving his nets, leaving his father, leaving his business to follow the Lord. So it's possible, but it comes at a cost. The disciples left their worldly occupations and became apprentices of Jesus, and he is calling us today in much the same way. Come and follow me. In fact, he is calling on you every morning that you get up. Come and follow me. He is calling you at every moment of the day. Come and follow me. Choose. However, rebellious generations have rejected the prophets. Rebellious generations reject the gospel today. They reject Jesus. And for this, there is a cost. Did you hear what I just said? Rejecting Jesus and his offer comes at a cost. We look to Paul's letter today for guidance, and we read that there is another cost. There is a cost for not following, for not surrendering all. That is the cost. That is the cost of freedom found in Christ. Did you hear that? Freedom found in Christ. Freedom. Christ has set you free. He set you free and me free. All who should believe have been set free. We have freedom. What is that freedom? Well, it's not It's not civil freedom or even political freedom. Paul shows us that it's not even freedom to do whatever the heck we want. It's not a list of a bill of rights. It's not a constitution. However, our constitution of these United States, we find that there are certain freedoms, rights that are endowed by our creator. You remember what those are? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Certain inalienable rights that cannot be taken away or given. Rather, they can be taken away, but they can't be given by man. They are given by God. Life, liberty, freedom, freedom in Christ, in pursuit of happiness. Our freedom in Christ came at a terrible cost. Christ paid the debt. And we know this because he paid that debt with his life on that cross, pinned to that cross. Christ did not owe us. He didn't owe me. He didn't owe you. But he paid the debt that I have accrued, that you have accrued, that this world has accrued. He paid it because he loves us. So what freedom does following Christ impart upon the recipient? Does anyone know? Can you guess? Can you, what is that? What is that freedom? Freedom's not just another word, Lord. No, I won't do that. What is that freedom? Is it life on easy street? How's that going for you, Christian, since you uh, became a child of the living God? Is everything just wonderful? Are you having perfect health and those that you love have perfect health? And this Is it nonstop party? Is it all green lights and blue skies for all who believe, is it? 
Where's the freedom? That's not, that's not what this is about. It's just not those things. It's not what he's giving us. Here's what it is. Are you listening? Here's, here's what this freedom is. Are you ready? The freedom that was purchased by his blood and his body, the freedom that was given to you and me, the freedom that we enjoy, the freedom is freedom from God's righteous wrath. The freedom that we have in Christ is freedom from God's righteous wrath because we know for all have sinned and all fall short. We know that there is not one righteous. No, not one. Well, there was one, the Lamb of God. And he paid our debt. And we are not subject to the consequences of our sin. We are not subject to God's wrath stemming from the original sin that separated God from his creatures, that separated God from all creation, we are experiencing and enjoying freedom now and eternally from the wrath of God by his Son. In Christ comes freedom and relief from bondage. And Paul says, don't go back to that yoke. The freedom that we receive comes in our baptism That freedom that we receive comes in the form of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the freedom that comes is an inheritance, as a result of an inheritance, an an adoption into the family of God. Sonship is given, and slavery has ended. And in the sacrament of the altar, we are given Not that we give or that we give up. In the sacrament of the altar, we are given grace. Coming to Christ certainly comes at a price. Following Christ comes at a price. And we have to give something up. Listen, what do we give up? We give up our yoke of bondage to sin. And that's what Luther and we should call a glorious exchange. We exchange his righteousness. We give him our sinfulness. And we become and are given the power to be called the children of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.